everybody. Welcome to another episode of Current Status. I'm Puma Schmidt, one of your co-hosts. You can find me on Twitter as Exchange Goddess, and I'm here with my two fellow co-hosts. Want to introduce yourself, ladies? Sure. So I'm Teresa Miller, and I can be found on Twitter at 24by7ITConnect. And I'm Melissa Palmer, and you can find me on Twitter at vmis 33 And today, we are joined by a special guest. Um, he is a data management expert. And he's going to help us determine if there are more cat pictures or dog pictures out on your sand. Um, Steve, do you want to introduce yourself and kind of give us a little brief history? Sure, um, thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, my name is Steve Keniston. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at S. Keniston. I'm also the Storage Alchemist. I do a blog called The Storage Alchemist at thestoragealchemist.com. Been in storage about 20 years. Cut my teeth at uh, the great company Veritas, which I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is now going to break away from Semantic again. So pretty excited about that. True data management company, but excited to be on your show. Great. So can you answer the question? More pictures of dogs or cats? That, that's that's the, the, you know, the big question of the evening. Yeah, I, I gotta believe it's dogs. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a dog lover, so not so much a cat lover. Know, but you don't really see pictures of cats going. I mean, dogs going viral. There's no grumpy dog that's so famous. You're a grumpy dogs cat. Aren't, dogs aren't grumpy. Uh, okay. We have one of uh, a cat with a cheese on its head that floats <laughs> around quite a bit. <laughs> but dogs don't get grumpy. Start a, start a grumpy dog viral video, I think. I think dogs are grumpy though. When when are dogs ever grumpy? They're always puppies. They're just cute. Yeah, they're cute and they're cuddly. I mean, who has a grumpy dog? I've never had a grumpy dog. No grumpy dogs. Yes, no grumpy dogs. Mm-hmm. Even bulldogs are pretty lovable, but they look grumpy. He's <laughs> like no. <laughs> Cats, we want cats, Missy says. Yeah, so let's get back on topic here. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, now that we know that there are more pictures of your dogs out there, um, I guess how can customers or users find this out? Because I, I know from managing storage in a global enterprise, I have no idea what's out there. It's just data just floating around. Um, I, I know users could have probably... 50 copies of one spreadsheet and then you know they send it to somebody else and then that person makes a copy in their their home drive which happens to be in the sand and they just have to make 20 copies of it as well so you know when we're doing backups then we are potentially backing up you know what 40 50 copies or even more and you know that that adds up so i guess there's got to be a way to consolidate or find out what's really out there yeah, I think I th- you make a lot of good points, right? Especially you, you start talking about just the proliferation of data in general. You start emailing that data to all your friends. They all save it. Then it all gets backed up. You have these uh, retention policies. It just creates copies after copies after copies. So I think the first thing, I think we've probably all lived through the notion of SRM, storage resource management, and it was kind of fell, uh, technology kind of fell flat on its face. So, you know, it, it was a nice to have, but not a need to have. But what we're finding is that as as the more copies come about, 
um, the ability to then control them and manage them, if you can start to automate and orchestrate those copies and use them for particular purposes, once you, once you see them, you can then start to control them. And once you can control them, then you can start to get a handle on how many copies that you have. That's actually a really good point because, um, you know, it doesn't matter how many copies you have of your data if you can't actually do anything with it, right? Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, so 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 you have 20,000 copies of that Excel spreadsheet or 10 copies of that database that everybody's made a snapshot or a backup of. Uh, I just did a webinar earlier today where uh, the gentleman hosting the webinar talked about the fact that because they didn't have an understanding of what data they had, they blew away kind of the latest set and had to go back to a to recover a set of that data that was, you know, a few weeks old. So that doesn't help the business at all when you talk about especially your recovery time and recovery point objectives. So what do you see organizations doing related to like tool sets that help them do that discovery? Is there anything good out there? so that we can learn how to manage our data better? Yeah, so uh, I, I do think there are some technologies that do things like cataloging or back to that whole SRM notion. And then the question is, is how seriously does the, does the company or the corporation take utilizing that tool? Um, and it's only when the tool adds additional sets of values beyond the nice to have, so more of the orchestration and automation components, does all of a sudden that technology become a little bit more mainstream in the corporation? Um, you know, essentially what, what needs to happen is getting a full catalog of the environment or a full index of the environment so that you can start to, one, analyze what's going on in your environment and then be able to then make some decisions, some business decisions about why are these copies being made? How are they, you know, how are they being made? How many do I actually need? to then start to automate those processes that then can can bring you into freeing up IT's time from just kind of sifting through them to actually, you know, taking advantage and leveraging them. Do the well, do businesses actually really care that they have all these copies? I know no. IT I know IT cares. Yeah. <laughs> but do they actually really care? You know, that that's an excellent question, right? You got you got the cost of storage plummeting, right? Um, so if it's cheap to manage, why, why, why not bother? Why not just, just keep them? It's yeah, probably why, why, just, why just leave them there? Yeah. yeah. So not hurt anybody. The question is, is <clears throat> if I don't understand what I have, then back to that, that whole recovery thing that we just talked about, if I can't recover the latest set and get, and, and keep my RPOs and RTOs down, especially in a DR situation, then, then the data I bring up and the data I start to use, it does have an impact on the business because it's it's too old and it's it's it, you know it might be stale or it might not be valid for pushing the business forward. So that's that's one aspect. The second aspect is um, if I have this data and and it's it's growing, is, is the overall growth? I mean, first of all, we're in this really explosive growth of data, right? We talk about the geometric growth of data. If if data grows linearly, say 35 to 50% year over year, but the copies that I make for all these different business functions. So, you know, we have test dev, we have business analytics, we've got uh, big data. What's the next thing, right? And every single one of these business operations really requires another set of, of uh, a copy of my, my primary or uh, my primary data. So if I continue to make these copies, am I really you know, just overgrowing the amount of storage capacity I have. So, so that's one. So 
back to your point, Puma, does that cost the business too much? Do I care? Hmm. I'm going to start to care with the growth of data. And then secondly, the management of that, right? What does it take for me to be able to manage it, find it, use the right last set, um, you know, take advantage of it, drive the business forward? If I can't, if I, if I'm not effective doing that, then my business isn't competitive anymore. So I think slowly businesses are starting to care. And that's why you're hearing this whole notion, copy data management or copy data solutions start to become a more important topic that guys like IDC are talking about and that sort of thing. So we're talking a lot about different copies of our data. Um, let's just say like my company's most critical data set, data set, I'm a kitty cat photo agency, so I really need to protect my cat pictures. <laughs> um, how many copies should I have of my critical data? And is there a certain place that I should put them? You know, that, that's, it's a good question. And, you know, the, the ever-ending IT answer that's always great is, you know, it depends, right? But um, there are a lot, there are some companies, especially in this whole copy data management space, that would say, you need this one golden copy and you can use it for everything. And, and I don't necessarily believe that. One, storage is cheap, right? Two, you know, there's this overwhelming paranoia, I think, from every IT person that's ever sat in a chair having to deliver data to the business that says, geez, you know, I, I just better make sure I got that one copy that just in case something happens. So, mm -hmm. you know, having a couple of copies, having it different locations, having on different devices, whether it's disk or tape, I think that's all that's all safe and fair to say. So, so the question is, what can I afford and what does my business require? Now the question is, is if I can then turn around and leverage the, the a common copy of data for multiple business functions. So in other words, mount that snapshot for test dev every morning for you know that that critical uh, testing environment. Mount that second copy of data for um, a business analytics uh, environment that I'm running, where I want to get the the latest and greatest analytics on the latest production data, right? then having the tools to be able to automate that process becomes paramount. So how do you think that, um, like, Sarbanes-Oxley and some of those things apply to, yeah, what we're talking about with storage? You know, we mentioned retention policies. Um, how do we make sure we uh, adhere to that and then be good stewards of the data that we're trying to keep versus not keep? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question, Teresa. Just from the standpoint of, you know, from a data protection standpoint. So forget my traditional data management uh, practices, right? NAB's got, you know, great storage technology. Folks buy this great storage technology for all the different feature functionality that they have, you know, snapshotting, et cetera. Um, when it comes to data protection, especially when I'm, when I'm trying to be a good steward of my data, I, I, I have the ability to set things like retention policies and that sort of thing and, and, and put that data, you know, both on, you know, a lot of folks are making copies on tape and making copies on disk. Uh, I can I can set those, those I can put those tapes in a closet, and leave them there for, for decades. The challenge is in your primary data set or for your snapshots, how do you know what's going on? And that comes back to that whole notion of the storage resource management that you know kind of is a thing of the past, which now we need to get a, a little bit more inclusive and and really get a full catalog both of, of your data set as well as your snapshots now, all these storage services. I talk a lot about storage mm -hmm. services, the snapshotting, the vaulting, the mirroring. Where is that, right? Do I understand where it is? Do I understand what it is? And can I set retentions on it as well? And when you can do that, now all of a sudden, um, you have the ability to be the good data steward. 
So I was easily distracted by the, the dinging noises. <laughs> <laughs> That's more data coming into your data center right there. Yeah. More data. Yeah. Oh, What's dinging? It actually, actually sound, yeah, it sounded like an oven. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it's an email with a cat photo attached. <laughs> Wait, there that's the girl. Oh, of course. <laughs> I was like, is my cake ready? <laughs> now, in terms of, I guess, data management, would you say this could also help secure your data as well? Because, you know, with the recent um, security breaches, could is this a way you could secure your data and make sure that you don't have too many copies floating around? That's a good point. Yeah, th there is there is the notion of if you understand what you have, that whole notion of data leakage right through a catalog. So what data is out there that you don't want to be out there? And then mm -hmm. how can I take some sort of action for it? Can I delete it? Can I set a policy to migrate? Nobody ever deletes stuff, but can I migrate it to some place where it's inaccessible, like maybe the tape for a long-term retention practice or something like that? So there is a notion of security that comes along with good, uh, I like Teresa's uh, um, message about good data stewardship. I don't know where my data is and how many copies of it. Let's say I have, you know, I'm a kitty cat photo agency, but I have some compromising pictures of certain cats that I don't want to get out there. <laughs> if I don't know, but if I don't know where I have all these copies and I have no way to manage them, how am I going to know when someone goes and, you know, leaks the, the kitty cat pictures? Yeah, and then there goes your reputation. Exactly, of the that poor cat. <laughs> And you have cat pictures. Yeah. And now your reputation's ruined because you've got inappropriate cat pictures floating around the internet. I mean, who wants that? <laughs> <laughs> That's why, you know, the, the a, a good catalog or a good index of, of all your data, both your, your your primary data set as well as the SNES, because it is true, right? You look at any any environment, you know, whenever I buy a new storage technology, I buy it for the storage services that it offers me. And, you know, inevitably someone wants, you know, you know, snapshotting technology. Why? Because it's, it's simple to recover from. It's simple to take advantage of. It's, it's, it's easy to instantaneously mount it and get that data back and take advantage of it, utilize it. Um, now all of a sudden now, and it's so easy to create a snapshot. Now I've got snaps all over the place and those cat pictures are all, all over. Now, how do I know if someone even, even attacks it? Well, you, you don't want to know when it's too late when those photos are out there on Twitter and, you didn't want them to be, right? So getting a full index of not only your primary data set, but your snap copies and all that is, is really is really important. Getting these indexes, is this something that is um, resource intensive to your underlying storage infrastructure? Yeah, so I guess it really depends on the different technologies. It depends, right? the same. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Stop are, saying that. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are there are indexing technologies that are obviously fairly resource intensive, um, but there are other newer technologies on the marketplace that actually take advantage of the API sets that are offered by the different storage vendors. Right. So let's take the NetApp platform, and Melissa, I know I know you're you're a NetApp person. So when I talk about like the SnapDiff APIs, right. If I can easily index those APIs for, a, a, or look at that API and understand what NetApp's already done behind the scenes, mm -hmm. then when I collect that information, now all of a sudden I have it. I don't, I don't have to be very resource intensive on the device. So 
The big, the, the most important thing I think in looking at the different software technologies that actually uh, look at doing the indexing, right? I mean, doing the full index of any file system is obviously resource intensive. As technology gets better, as uh, CPUs get faster and that sort of thing, as memory grows bigger, right? Doing that doesn't seem to be as much of a burden on the storage system as in the past. But you still need to rely on the APIs of the, of the storage system in order to feed you the best data. So the combination of the newer so software, the newer uh, processing speed, and the newer newer uh, technologies kind of all combine to, for it to be less of a real burden on, on, this, on the storage systems. Yeah, I think the integration is really key. You don't want Bob's storage indexing ink to come with a PowerShell script and just hit all your storage arrays with it. That's probably not a good plan. Bring it right to a crawl, right? <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, I, I've seen some archiving solutions that when it crawls the databases and it, 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 the data, yeah, it, it's it's taken down Exchange servers before. Not that I've ever witnessed one. I've heard. No, 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 no. no. I've seen it just collapse. <laughs> and that's local storage too. That's not even the CN. Um, so yeah, and, and that's why I asked that question because I think some business, you know, businesses or, or IT admins may be afraid of you know cataloging their data because it is resource intensive. No, oh, I think that's probably a big reason why the whole. I don't want to know. Yeah, I think I think there's a big presumption perception just from when all these storage systems were a lot slower years and years ago that, you know, I tried it once 10 years ago and it was horrible, so forget it. I'm not ever doing it again. Right. I'm never using SATA for exchange, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I did it once and I'll never do it again. <laughs> yeah, I think the old phenomenon of, uh, of the whole, uh, again, the stored resource management was, you know, it was kind of cool. I tried it. Uh, it had a lot of those challenges, right? It didn't have it didn't have good integration with the storage. It was crawling your file system. It was bringing it to its knees. Now all of a sudden, not only did it go from a, a nice to have, it's like nah, it's it's a not have. Like I don't I don't want it. So that's why I think some of the newer technologies that really incorporate more than just the cataloging capabilities, which really need to have good integration with the storage platforms, but also uh, additional feature functions that like, uh, like the automation and orchestration is really what's going to kick IT over the edge to say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to give this a shot again because it was so painful last time. I, I need to get more value out of it. And that's, that's, I think that's where the future is going. Automation and orchestration are software to find everything. Software to find mm -hmm. everything. But doesn't that fall into the whole Skynet? <laughs> so, sorry, I have to, I have to bring Skynet. <laughs> yeah, Skynet. Well, you start automating everything. Skynet's here. It's coming for us. Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> you, you get to the point of the lazy admin, where well, everything's just automated. Or is, is it is it the lazy admin, or does that admin have more free time to do other things instead of doing silly admin stuff? See, that's I like the, yeah. I like the free time thing. I, I think there's more, more. <laughs> a little more party time. Oh, you know what? There's more cake. <laughs> I can go more the, time for cake. I can go to the bakery shop more now. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that businesses need to be uh, to be as competitive as possible. So I think what you're going to find more and more is that your IT admin is going to become more of a technology needs to become more of a technology expert. So what technologies are actually out there? they can leverage to actually drive value to the business that makes that business more competitive. So if I'm a bank, for example, um, the day I am sure 
that uh, Citibank came out and you could take a photograph of a check and deposit that check. You know the guys at Bank of America were on the phone yelling at their developers, hey, we need that technology too in order for us to be competitive, right? So that's kind of the way I think of the, of the admin or, or of the IT infrastructure. Like how do I set up um, my infrastructure to be flexible and agile enough to support new capabilities that the business needs? I mean, how many of us, uh, when you think about just the sheer notion of just, just backup in general, right? How long have we been saying tape is dead, backup is mm-hmm. broken? You know, yeah. it's terrible, right? Why can't I mean, it's a simple process. Make a copy, put it in a place, set a retention to it, and just be able to access it when you need it. It's it, Given the today's technology, that's, that's pretty simple, right? So I think enabling those types of things, I don't think it makes the admin lazy. I think it makes the admin more valuable to these other things for the business. I agree. It just shifts the responsibilities to other things that, um, like you said, can be more useful and beneficial. More cake. More cake. <laughs> more cake for the admins. <laughs> well, you know, you get more time to start doing that neat cake. Maybe we should start a new company where all the IT admins are also bakers and pastry chefs. Oh. So I'm installing ESX now, but then I automate the rest of my deployment, my infrastructure. I'm going to go bake some nice gluten-free treats or something. And then I'm going to take pictures of my cat. Exactly. I don't have a cat, but <laughs> dogs. Totally dogs. dogs. So on, well, I think we're going to transition into, uh, let's talk about what's been going on with this whole Anthem thing, this whole security mm-hmm. breach. Another uh, terrifying uh, data breach is what it comes down to. Yeah. 80 million affected customers. Isn't that scary? Like, that's scary. And I actually... This is huge. It's not just a security breach. It's just, I don't know, there's just something, it's just so big. I mean, I could just see Anthem being financially impacted. I actually saw an article today that said they estimated the cost of this breach was going to cost them $100 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Well, when we talk about all of these security breaches, I mean, it's been it's been constant, I think, almost every other week we're talking about security breaches. It really... I mean, it has me thinking, and I, I hope people who are watching the podcast too, you know, how vulnerable are organizations out there? What can we be doing differently to make sure the data is protected? This this anthem thing that shouldn't that shouldn't have even happened, you know, it shouldn't have been possible. So, how do we protect the companies that um, have our private data? Well, I guess, go ahead, Steve. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, what I don't understand is I actually have some, some, some colleagues out in the Valley who, are, who have built some really cool security technology. I'm just going to mention Blackridge technology, right? It's a technology that actually cloaks the data center. Now, it all sounds really neat and interesting, and, of course, you need a little bit more um, uh, sophistication as far as, you know, on your on your laptop or on your device, you need to have an agent. And the only way that the data center can see you or recognize you is that is that 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 agent that lives out there is the only agent that can ping through into the data center to kind of see your, your banking information or your medical information or whatever it is. What I don't understand is, you know, and they're not super successful right now, right? But with all these, well, that's what I don't understand is with all these breaches that are going on, right, you would think I'd be willing to try anything that was new and unique 
to kind of give me that sense of security. Yet you, the people are banging down their door. Now, it can be any security company, right? You, wh who are the security companies you hear about, right? You hear about McAfee and Symantec and that sort of thing. But but who else is doing this type of cybersecurity, right? I mean, I'm sure there's some black ops stuff in the government or that sort of thing. But Well, that's honestly, not, these corporations should be hiring security firms to say, hey, try and breach me. Can you do it? And give me an assessment of what I need to fix to make sure this can't happen. Or are these companies not doing a good job? Because, I mean, that's I've true too. I've, I've worked for companies where we are required to do penetration testing, you know, once a year. And, you know, I've been through these penetration testings and it's like, oh, really? That's it? That's all you're going to do? <laughs> true too. It's okay. kind of like DR testing, right? Yeah. You show up for the weekend, nothing works, and you go, oh, well, that didn't work. Okay, we failed it. Look, okay, I think it might, then maybe it might go back. Actually, maybe a lot of these companies just aren't taking it as seriously as they should be. I, I'm going to kind of agree with you on that, Melissa. I, I've seen some companies where security is kind of on the back burner. Like, oh, you know, it, it, it can't happen to us, you know, that, that because that's a low risk. I think some businesses may feel it's a lower risk than what they really think could happen. And then Anthem, Sony, Target, Home Depot. I wonder if it's like the data storage. Uh, you know, man the storage management, like why manage storage is so cheap? Well, you know, what are the odds of it happening to me? And if it does, what's a hundred million dollars to Sony? You know, who, who knows? I mean, Reputation. I'm sure they're taking it more seriously now, but That's true. what you were they thinking six months ago? Probably not very much. But now, yeah, like you said, it, most of it from a, a dollar sign, it's not that much for Sony. But reputation wise, I think the reputation got hurt more. That's a big and, you, and you can't really put a dollar sign on that. You can't say, oh, a damage yeah. in my reputation will cost us whatever. And maybe that's something companies are overlooking. Maybe people are just getting so caught up in their financials. They're not accounting for this kind of stuff. They're not saying, well, okay, it'll cost me $100 million to protect all these people whose data was breached. But what will people think of my company? Will my company even exist after this? Um, the, the reputation for Anthem right now is you got a shitty IT department and a shitty security department. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that's what I'm thinking, but probably not. They probably have great people that work there. It's just, you know, just the, the lack of importance, possibly. Well, I think, too, I mean, you think an organization, I mean, organizations do take some of this stuff seriously, too, but some of it takes time to implement. Mm -hmm. Some of it, um, you know, I think that hacking is more sophisticated than it used to be. So do you have systems that are as up to date and keep can keep up with that? There's you know, there's a there's a cycle of technology and I think everything has just changed. So it could be that they had everything in place the way it should be. All of but these But they could places. have had everything in place from three years ago. That was a exactly. we were going for. Yeah, and so oh, with look, a more we got sophisticated our, everybody signed off on our security standards. Yay, they're great, but they never revisited them. Exactly. We signed, we signed it seven years ago. Must be, still good, right? Still legit, right? <laughs> well, I, I've seen um, backup policies and standards that are, what, seven, eight years old? You know, that, that's a really good point. A lot of times we're seeing across the board, ID policies that are put in place never revisited. It could be another case mm -hmm. of that. Oh, it's revisited yeah. every year. Just you know. Um, oh yeah, it's fine. You yeah, you you update the version. They could do version. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah, it works. <laughs> but I think yeah. that whole philosophy of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know that that probably applies. 
but they also never check, right? So they got it working. Like, again, the backup example is a good example. Right? I got it working. It's working. Not anything. But do I ever go back and check? Do I ever look at the words? What backups are failing? What, you know, what, what, what are the new security risks I should be facing or should be looking for? Well, I don't look and, you know, I, I feel like I'm safe. I feel protected. And the reality is you're not. But I don't want to know. Because that means I have to like investigate, and I, I've got to do something. I have to do a corrective action. That I can't get. Yeah, I mean, sometimes um, ignorance is bliss. I, I trust me, I've heard that too. And well, why would we want to check that? Because if there's a problem, then we're gonna have to fix it, and we have no money in the budget. So let's just so oh, it's working. Let's just keep going. You know, because it's a low risk right now. And, and then you become. Front page of the newspaper. Exactly, Target. <laughs> right now, and I have to say, I literally went to Home Depot like once in the last five years, and it was from that time period where the data was breached, and I had to get a new credit card and all this other stuff. I'm like, are you serious? And isn't that a pain in the ass? Yeah, you're going through the you go through the toll booth, and the things light up red, right, saying you can't go through. And you're like, what the hell's going on? You know, your easy pass doesn't, you know, it isn't because your credit card was tied to that. So you got to go change everything. Yep. What a pain in the yeah. ass. I had a, my card, my corporate card compromise last year. Um, on my birthday, I, I got the phone call from uh, Citibank telling me that, ask, oh, ask, asking me if I was in Brazil. And I'm like, no, I'm sitting here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, we, your card was just used in Brazil. I'm like, my corporate card? Yeah. Well, it's nice of them to invite me to Brazil. But <laughs> I just on have your to, Yeah, on my birthday, too. I'm like, great. Um, yeah, yeah. They, so my card was compromised, and that was from the Target. Uh, it, you're just kind of like, thanks a lot, guys. At least you could have invited me. You know, that would have been nice. They had a great time in Brazil at the jewelry shop in the hotel. Mm, nice. Yeah. At least I didn't, I didn't get yeah. anything. <laughs> I do think credit card companies do a pretty good job, though, of detecting when that kind of thing yeah, has happened. I mean, even do. the smallest little thing, they'll change your card. So that's I, I come a long way. Yeah, I give props to these credit card companies. I think they're getting a lot of backlash from this, too. Yeah. Um, you can definitely see they're, they're being more proactive about it because mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're getting hit. I think they're also losing money as well. But I think businesses have to have to put security in the front lines versus placing it in the back burner. Like, well, you know, the risk is low. How important is it? Well, you know, are you going to risk your reputation in $100 million? Personally, I wouldn't, but I'm not a CEO of a company, so <laughs> I don't make those decisions. Prior to uh, the job here that I have at Catalogic, I was working for IBM, and, and when we launched a flat, the, the IBM Flash product, uh, the head of Citigroup came out and talked a little bit about, uh, he was the, C, the CTO of Citigroup talked about the fact that, you know, by doing uh, analytics on flash storage, they can catch those transactions that are fraudulent, and, and they actually have a whole bunch of uh, big data algorithms. So I think the guy was saying if, if, you, if you buy milk, sunglasses and gasoline that is a red flag instantly that says that's a fraudulent set of purchases now i don't know where or how they got that but this was his philosophy and he said you know with with flash storage they could catch those transactions so quick and let you know what's going on wow instantly it's pretty pretty cool milk 
gasoline sunglasses. Sunglasses and gasoline. Okay, okay. I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm on a mission. I mean, it's, it, it seems like it could be an honest purchase. I think the sunglasses. <laughs> what if I want to buy what if, I need, stand yeah, what, if, what if I need sunglasses at the gas station? I, I think we should do a test. We should all go on tomorrow and I'll, I'll buy the same thing and see if we get calls from our uh, You're in Boston right now. You're getting flagged. Why are you buying sunglasses? <laughs> <laughs> You've got like six feet of snow. How did you leave your house, first of all? <laughs> this can't be. <laughs> well, actually, you could use sunglasses. Because uh, the snow is very bright. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Snow that's right. Yeah, because I actually, when it's a lot of snow here in Pennsylvania, I actually put sunglasses on to protect my eyes. But um, the fact that you actually left your house, that's, yeah, right right there is questionable. It's definitely fraudulent. I'm definitely to try that. I'm definitely going to try that now. I'm tempted. That's a challenge. So sunglasses, milk, and gasoline. Mm. Mm. I have to go to my local gas station. Quickie bar. Yes. Sunglasses and milk. I think, well, we, we have a special, I guess, uh, announcement. One of our... Um, we do. We have a very special announcement. We have a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, first of all, we have um, a CTP on staff. We do. Yeah, we're, 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 very, we're very, very elite here at the current <laughs> status. Remember I said remember I said I didn't want to be a C level? Maybe yeah. now I am, right? Yeah, you're C Yeah, you're C <laughs> I think that was yeah, I was the one that wanted to see in front of my name, a C title. So you got mm -hmm. the C before I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for the other Yeah, I'm very C's. excited and honored. Yes, there are good C's before names. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very excited. Very honored. Um, this is the first year they've invited females into uh, the group. So there are four of us uh, females joining um, the guys. It's a great, great group. They feel like family. So I'm very excited. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it is. And then you are joining Missy yeah. um, with a V expert um, this week. So that is also very exciting. So uh, we're very, uh, as you can see, we're very active in the community here on Current Status. We got the CDPs, we got the V experts, Cisco champion at FA team. So we're we're doing this kind of for everybody. This is just kind of another avenue, another mm -hmm. set of eyes on things, another group discussing things, and we hope that everybody enjoys it. And if you don't, who cares? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> don't watch it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Point. <laughs> yeah. Just like our our, um, our famous um, our commenter of last week, so <laughs> whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you don't like us, we don't care. <laughs> so well, I want to say thank you to Steve for joining us. This was a great conversation that we had. Um, maybe you'll come back later, sometime later in the year, and we can talk again. I'd love talk, to. Yeah, and talk more about great. yeah, dog, cats, uh, elephants. Credit cards. Kangaroos. Credit cards. Kangaroos. Oh, yeah. Kangaroo pictures. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us Uni which country. Uniroos. Yeah, Uniroos. Maybe there's like some data analytics that could determine which country has the most animals, you know, which which animal pictures. Hmm. Oh, maybe I'll get on. 
<laughs> yeah, like Australians have more dogs than kangaroos. Maybe we'll do an infographic. How about a cool infographic? That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be. Which yeah, which country and their animals? That'd be awesome. See, that's a challenge. Like, to me, that's a challenge. I, that's I'd actually, yeah, I'd actually try to go do that. <laughs> I'm making a note. Yeah, just like I'm gonna go try, like you know, get my credit card company. <laughs> to uh, give me a phone call tomorrow when I go buy sunglasses, gasoline, and milk. That's right. Well, thank you again, Steve, and thank, thank you. Yeah, me. thank you. And thank yes, you, everybody, you. for joining us. And we will see you guys next week on our next show. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.